Listening to the Pittsburgh Steelers show on the SteelerFury.com podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Bradshaw Ben, aka Accidental Zen, aka Will Massasak, at some uh, early hour here with my uh, two cohorts. Dedication to discuss Steelers football. Uh, we didn't get a win, but we got a guy somewhere in upstate New York. His name is Steel Perch. How are you, sir? Back again. For, for more back, back again for more sadomasochism that's what's really up and also with us uh, from somewhere in uh, we'll call it South Carolina his name is FC he's with us how are you sir thank you sir and I have another thank you sir <laughs> yeah that pretty much sums up the season doesn't it Niedermeyer uh, well okay we didn't we didn't get the win quarterback got knocked out uh the the most likable player on the team uh, ended up being the you know the, the goat at the end of the game. Um, you know where 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 do you start? Because it's something to talk about, I guess. Uh, I'll start with I'll start with you, Perch. Uh, I know you've been you got nothing but uh, pent up energy while you're driving around. So uh, tell us, how do you explain this game against the Ravens? Well, you know, I think at this point in time, we're just settling for moral victories. And I thought that was a pretty good feel-good loss, right? I mean, you know, uh, nothing to get too worked up about. They they played uh, against a, a team that looked like they were going to run away with the division early in the year. They completely outplayed them, I thought, for, for stretches of the game. Defense looked really good. Uh, they fumbled away at the end. They made their customary couple of boneheaded mistakes throughout the game. Um, you know, our quarterback got body bagged. Yeah, that happens. You know, we were uh, talk. What did I talk about going into the last game? We got to put some hot sauce on Lamar Jackson. I think they might have done that if they can actually catch him. <laughs> that guy is is so ridiculously quick laterally that uh, he he made some people sprain some ankles and look really dumb trying to even trying to to get a hand on him, let alone trying to put a hard hit on the guy. But you know, it uh, Hodges looked really good and really comfortable in an NFL game. Rudolph did some nice things in that game before he got decapitated. Um, but you know, the big major issue with the Steelers, I think, is going to be the same thing the rest of the year. We lack playmakers on offense and skill positions, and the two best ones we have at running back and receiver uh, have some ball security issues, which are big problems. So until they can get that corrected, and I don't know how they're going to fix it in the offseason because they've got limited cap room and limited draft picks. How are they going to get some more 
you know, A1 offensive skill position players on this roster. I don't know. But that's, to me, is the downside of, of where they were. But the, the defense looks really good. The, the secondary's played really good. They've batted passes away. That The defensive front is getting a ton of hits and sacks on quarterbacks. The offensive line is playing better. It's just, you know, you've got a backup quarterback and, and you've got some deficiencies at the skill positions. And that's what we're going to see the rest of the year. Uh, FC, are you as uh, zen about it as, as Purchase? I mean, I think I am I'm too. Actually, like. I'm actually probably more zen than the two of you. Um, at this point, I have begun taking positives and not really. Juju's fumbled away the game. James Conner in the past has fumbled away the game. But I agree with a lot of the points that Perch made. There's some pauses, pauses to be taken out. Um, I'm really uh, getting sick and tired of the Johnny Holton experience. I understand that uh, he is dynamic in shorts and stuff, but I don't see him as a long-term solution for much. I understand that our wide receivers and tight ends are a bit uh, lacking in experience, and some will say talent. And I don't disagree with that. Um, there was, as I said, if Juju doesn't fumble away that game last week, we're sitting here right now in first place in the AFC North. You know? Yeah, so. I, I, I think if you if you see that, you know, if if somebody tells you that the Ravens are the best team in the division, I, I don't think you feel like the Steelers are too far behind, even with their third string quarterback. Go ahead, I don't think that can be argued outside of the New England game. The Steelers could have won every game this season. Conceivable. I'll take it one step further, guys. I think the Steelers, if Ben was playing, they are one good receiver away from being the second or third best team in the AFC. Do not outside of yeah, outside of New England, who's uh, Frankenstein's monster, you know, just you, you can't kill that beast. And, and uh, you know, Kansas City, which is basically the Mahomes show. I'm not uh, too big on their defense, but the rest of the yeah. AFC is fun. <laughs> It's garbage. It's you know, and the Steelers' defense has so much, so much talent now. And if Ben's back to his prior form next year, and they can just get one more good, competent receiver, um, boy, they, I think they're they're you know, they to me that's the positive I take from this season. They've got all the tools. They have got everything they need, with a couple of exceptions. Yeah, if I- you're gonna love this. You're gonna absolutely love this. Right now, if I had to name a Steelers MVP to date this season. I believe I would go with one. You're going to laugh because statistically he's not. But if you watch the actual game and you go beyond the stats, would be Alvin Bud Dupree. And I can't believe that I'm uttering those words, but for the last month, last four games, I've been knocking on wood. He has played unbelievably smart, good, physical football. His play against the run is so much night and day over the last 30 games than it was previous. And I think he's moving to a player that the Steelers must sign. Well, I don't see how they – how how can they, FC? I mean, that's the problem. I think all their – I think – I read a great – and I listened to his podcast first night. I read his article by Andrew Brandt, who I swear by, just because he was so involved in the business and he's intelligent, he teaches college, and I think he can communicate points in a way that some, I don't want to say layman, but we don't. 
have the cap intricacies. We don't understand everything that works with the CBA. He can, you know, put them out pretty well. And he says that he believes the cap's going to go up to 210 million, which if you do your math, I believe that's a $38 million jump in two years. I think the Steelers should do everything in their power to raw Peter, the PayPal in this case, which would be Doug, would be Bud Dupree, and then hope that cap goes up. And then you get your TJ Watt extension. Of all the guys that we're looking, I let John Davis walk. I let Hargrave walk. Bud Dupree is the player that I focus on to attempt to extend. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Hargrave's play. It's just not, you know, much like Ziggy Hood, not necessarily a great fit here. But I, the That's fact that they're using him. I think he's a great player that could have so much more successful career playing a one or three that they can afford a break. He just yeah, he, doesn't fit what we do in the free for. Yeah, but now that they've started using him as a as a uh, wave rusher, and, or you know that he's yeah. been pretty good at that, it's going to be hard to give that up too. But you have a lot of pass rush, um, even without him. But uh, yeah, that's a you know just the the cap situation. Like, don't even get me started. Like to me, not having the draft picks, I'm okay. I'm okay with what they have left for the draft in terms of rebuilding. If they didn't have cap problems and didn't have players that they're going to lose that they're that they're counting on right now. Um, that's tough for me. I mean, in general, just to, you know, summarize my take on the thing, I just feel on the, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to be a hundred percent invested in, you know, Oh my God, every play is life or death for winning the Super Bowl because it's hard to believe that they're really a Super Bowl contender right now. But uh, you know, at times in the last couple of weeks, they have played really well against some good teams. I mean, the, the Ravens have their flaws, but they were they were killing people on offense, and I, I I saw somewhere they posted during the game. I think it was the, in the fourth quarter that Lamar Jackson had like eighty nine yards passing or something crazy. And uh, you know, it's like if you get him to the point where you know his his running is he gets some yards, but he's not very effective. He's not killing you with the run, and he's only thrown for a hundred yards passing. Uh, I think you've done your job pretty well against that team. Well, here, let's let's talk about that for a second. Did you see what the key to shutting them down was? We we can play man to man cover defense with our corners, guys. Holy yeah. fuck! <laughs> Holy fuck! Pittsburgh Steelers cover man man on man defense with with defensive backs so that can actually cover NFL receivers. How yep. many years has it's been? Ten, fifteen years since that was uh, you know uh, part of the discussion. Now, I don't know if we've done it enough to to praise Stephen Elsnipe. I know we have on this program, but I think most Steelers fans maybe have uh, just overlooked him because you never hear his name, which is a good thing. Um, Hayden's been you know good and steady. Um, it's just you know that they've got some production from even Cam Sutton in the slot batting balls away and. Um, Mike it, Mike Hilton had pass breakups. Mike Hilton, <laughs> Mike Hilton had a pass <laughs> breakup. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ever, ever since they brought Fitzpatrick in, it's like the communication issues in the secondary have gone away. Sean Davis's tired ass is on the bench with, with his gimpy shoulders, and uh, you know, just everybody look. Edmonds even looks a little bit better now. Just uh, uh, it's amazing we're wasting <laughs> the best coverage we've had in in, in decades because uh, the Ben's uh, Ben's out this year. And no, it's it's worse, Perch. We we have the you know the best coverage we've had in years. We're still at the top of the league in terms of sacks and pressures. Uh, we're even gotten getting turnovers and winning the turnover battle. We're top five in turnover uh, differential. Wasting all of that right now. I mean, it is just unbelievable. But I was just going to say this, FC Minka Fitzpatrick. We we haven't talked about 
him enough. Um, uh, it's having a sa- a deep safety who not only can you know have your back on the back end, but who can regularly you know get up quickly enough, anticipate quickly enough, and get up quickly enough to make plays underneath him um, to buzz to buzz the crossing route to hit the tight end when the ball gets there, and you know have the timing to do that well. I mean, I had him as my number one corner coming out the year that he came out, but I had actually no idea that he would be this good a safety. Um, are you, are, let's just p- distill this down to a question, though, because what it really boils down to is, you know, the, where the Steelers are heading with their record this season, is it going to be worth it? Are, you gonna, are we going to feel regret at having make a Fitzpatrick for that first-round pick? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the what if game is always the question. I don't think it'll be reasonable. How about this? I don't think that when I spend a top five pick on Minka Fitzpatrick, well, maybe, <laughs> you know? Yeah. In the long run, do I think that the Steelers have, are going to have made the right move? I'm leaning towards yes, because he seems to love the city. The city seems to love him. And he's absolutely a outstanding football player. What he does is uh, mentally he reminds me a lot of Darren Perry, which some people are going to think, oh, that's an insult. No, no. (laughs) It is not. (laughs) It is the furthest thing from an insult. And he flashes playmaking ability similar to that of Troy Palmolive in the way he buzzes routes, flies around, makes plays, turnover machine. I'm not going to say he's going to be the next Troy Palmolive. Troy Palmolive is a Hall of Famer. He's one of the Steelers greats. This season, it for comparison stake, sake, and style of play. I uh, I like the trade. If we end up picking number one overall in the draft, I'm not going to pick on the trade because of what we said during the first minute of this or first ten minutes of this podcast. Where if even Mason Rudolph doesn't go down, maybe we win that game. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's wide open. It's still wide open. If I mean, you told me right now, they were somehow miraculously won the AFC North at seven nine. I wouldn't be shocked. I really wouldn't be. It's just well, how bad I think Cleveland and Cincinnati. And I'm not a fan of Baltimore. I never have. Yeah, well, their de- their defense has got some problems for sure. Um, I, I mean, I, I guess. The other thing is, and I saw the Steelers have the third. Uh, the the remaining schedule for the Steelers is the third easiest of any team in the NFL. <clears throat> um, and and you, know, you talk about them getting the number one pick. <clears throat> I, I think there's not a chance that they're, they're Cincinnati and Miami in particular uh, are much worse than the Steelers. I think I think you could make a pretty good argument that the Jets are worse. Um, you know, there's, there's sort oh, of you, like this. I can start naming teams off that real simply that I think are worse. Atlanta. Yeah, there you go. Worse. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> name it this way. It could be a lot worse. We could be Cleveland Browns. <laughs> yeah, with the expectations and your starting quarterback. And, you know, they're stuck with that guy. Yeah. Um, who, <clears throat> I don't know. I guess, I guess I'll say, you know, just to take it, the last takeaway, Perch, you talked about ball security with their two main offensive weapons that they have. And I'm, you know, when it, when it's a, you know, happens once it's a fluke. It happens twice. It's a trend. It happens three times. It's a problem. Um, 
I mean, I, the, my, I look at that Juju play and I just think to myself, I'm not sure what Juju could have done differently. Like, you know, he, he was quick to the tuck as Mike Tomlin likes to say. Um, he had the ball with four points of contact. Sometimes the other guy just makes an unbelievable play, which, you know, Marlon Humphrey is, if, if he's not an all pro, he's at least a solid pro bowler this year uh, has been tremendous actually for them, probably their best player. And the guy just landed a haymaker. You know, he landed a once in one in a million Buster Douglas shot uh, on the football. Can you and really blame Juju that for that? Entire, well, yeah, he'd been doing that the entire game. And do you remember what happened when De- Deontay yep. Johnson had a ball knocked out and Juju's mic'd up and he's on the sidelines saying, hey, they're going to be punching at the ball. Make sure you, you tuck it in and have, you know, four points of contact and all that. It's happened to him at the end of games twice. You know, it's, it's people are, are going to look at him as somebody who they could possibly knock out a fumble against and certain teams you know, like the Ravens coach and preach turnovers. Hey, you have a chance to catch up to a guy and you have a chance to punch the ball before you get a chance to wrap him up. Do that. You know, even if it's only successful once a game, that one turnover could be the difference in a game. So he's got to get better at that. I mean, yeah, it wasn't like he was being negligent with the ball, but he wasn't as secure as he could have been with it. Yeah, I mean, like he didn't wrap it up with two arms, but when you build your, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is when you build your offense on yak, so if you're going to be throwing these the short crossers and, and stuff where you know, you're trying to hit the retriever in, receiver in stride so that he makes a, you know, a, makes a play out of it, <laughs> then the consequence of that is that the guy is not just catching it and falling. You know, <clears throat> He's, he's going to catch it, tuck it, and run. And I, I just felt like looking at that, I, I, I found it very difficult to fault him too much for what he did, even though the result was bad, because it, it seemed like he put it away and got it secure immediately. And yet, you know, he just couldn't couldn't stave off. He tried to stiff arm the guy, I guess, and just did missed. So, you know, Humphrey got a free shot. But sometimes the other guy makes a play. It's, you know, it's not like every every time somebody fumbles is clearly their fault. But I agree with you that the trend of it is what the concern is. Um, the fact that it happened twice at the end of the game in the last, you know, six, seven games, whatever it is. Uh, FC, let's talk for just one second. Anything you'd like to talk about? <laughs> no, let's talk for a second about uh, the uh, the Steelers' third string quarterback, who now appears like he's going to be the first string quarterback. And let's talk a little bit about the matchup this week. Uh, normally, we start in the trenches with you, um, but what do you think of uh, Duck Dynasty's performance in this game? Coming in cold, no practice reps basically last week because they were because they were pre- preparing for the Ravens. Uh, they had a you know a, a, someone similar to Lamar Jackson come into camp uh, and portray Jackson for the week on the scout team. So uh, so Devin Hodges didn't even get scout team reps last week. Uh, what do you think of his performance, and uh, what do you think about it going forward against the Chargers? Well, anytime you have uh, the third quarterback take uh, the field, uh, generally you're you have very low expectations. Um, I thought Hodges was nothing but solid. He didn't look like a deer in the headlights, so that's the first thing to check off. He wasn't looking to go fetal. He didn't look like he was out of his element or overwhelmed. Um, He seemed to have control of the huddle. He protected the football, and he seemed to execute everything that was, you know, called. We didn't have so many alignment issues. We didn't have many 
false start penalties, none of the pre-snap issues that you would think the, you would have with a third-string quarterback. Things that I find interesting, things that you're not going to find on game tape and stuff like that. Um, Sanford, not to be confused with Stanford in California, Sanford in Alabama um, happens to be probably has the third or fourth best law school in the Southeast. Um, it's a great school for education. Um, he's a smart kid. Um, he isn't going to wow you with his physical tools, but I'll say this. His physical tools are every bit as, I mean, arm strength, ball placement, everything you look for are every bit as good as some pretty damn elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Do I think he's going to be elite? No. Um, do I think he could be a solid, serve, serviceable NFL quarterback for many years? Yeah. We have basically preseason and two and a half quarters to judge him by. What I've seen so far, I'm very satisfied with. And we can just go with what he put on film. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll just put it this way. I I don't have any I, – I mean, people think that I have an anti-Mason Rudolph agenda. I don't really. I mean, I just – I think you, I call it like I see it. I think the guy is uh, sets up to be a very solid NFL quarterback as well. Um, in fact, has a lot of leadership qualities that I really like. And you can tell his team really, really likes him. Like they're, they want to play for him, the way their reaction to what happened in the game. Um, I think all of that is really – valuable stuff that doesn't get talked about enough at the quarterback position. Um, but on the by the same token, I'm not sure that Mason Rudolph has that, um, that sort of up, the upside of it, we'll call it. Like, he's got some it, and he's, he's definitely not afraid and made some plays, but I also don't think that he is as natural a quarterback as Banner Hodges is. He's more mechanical in his operation, not, not the throwing, but in terms of his operation of the offense. Um, maybe that will pass as he gets more starts. Uh, and maybe, you know, more with more experience, he'll feel a little bit, he'll, you know, settle into his own uh, rhythm that works for him. Um, but it seems like it's a it's a little bit of a struggle for him to find his spots to take a shot and so on and so forth. I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, he looked, here's the thing. Um, is is uh, someone famously said this week on the board? Um, let's see Delvin Hodges when he gets saddled with um, the shitty play calling and game plan that Rudolph did in his first start. You know, because Rudolph came in as a, off the bench against Seattle, looked pretty good, uh, and then we saw the game plan with him against San Francisco, and and just like you know, if saddled with that, maybe Delvin Hodges won't look so good, Perch. Yeah, you know, what they say about backup quarterbacks is uh, sometimes they get thrown in the game and the opponent doesn't have a full week to game plan for them. Well, uh, my fear is this week uh, that will happen in reverse. Uh, Randy Fitchner will have a full week to game plan for Delvin Hodges and, and uh, essentially uh, a handcuff him to the wall because when he came in that game and they, you know, they were in a situation they needed to make passes, that was the most aggressive game plan or, or play calling that Fitchner's had, including when Ben was here this entire year. It's like, yeah, the duck's in. Fuck it. Just let him throw it. You know? <laughs> He's going downfield and they're, they're throwing ball. They're one after another. And, you know, it, it's like, you know, hey, Tom Brady's coming off the bench. Let's, let's give him some passes to throw. But, you know, my fear is Fitchner's going to have uh, an entire week to have his asshole pucker. And he's going to come up with some, you know, super ultra conservative game coming out against the Ravens with a damn Wildcats. 
you know, it was cool when you did it against Cincinnati because you've never done it before, and it's one of those weekly game plan things that you throw in as a wrinkle, you catch them off their guard because they didn't prepare for. But then you do extensively in that game, and you come out against Baltimore, who's really struggled, uh, you know, running right at them or, or throwing down the field against them. They were giving up 500 yards a game the previous two games, and it's like, yeah, fuck it, let's go back to the Wildcat and see if that works again. So I think, you know... Maybe the biggest issue in the team, aside from skill position players uh, and the quarterback being out, is, is the offensive coordinator. I think he's just uh, in over his head, and it's uh, – oh, boy. We'll see what he does this week. I, yeah, to me, it's like same thing when Rudolph is back. <clears throat> he's healthy. Put the game plan in exactly the same as if Ben was in there and let those guys sink or swim. Let's see what the hell they have. Let's be aggressive and try and get the ball downfield and try and run up the score and try and beat teams. Don't be afraid of your own shadow. Let's let's see what you actually have in these two guys. Because I think the, the players, the quarterbacks themselves, have way more confidence than the than the game plan the coaching has in them. So I, I think most Steeler fans are you know, screaming at their TV just like I am, like, fucking let it loose. Let's go. Get the ball downfield. Let's throw it. Let's be aggressive and attack. And, you know, let the kids sink or swim. And that's what I hope they do this week. Just say, you know what? We're playing with house money. We're going on the West Coast. We're favored to lose. We're a one and four team. We're playing against a potential Hall of Fame quarterback. Let's just let the kid throw it, and let's see what happens. I'm not even sure that it originates with, with Fickner. I look at his, uh, at times, what he seems to be able to do, and I think they start off in these game plans that are conservative that doesn't fit his mojo. So, like, I'm not even sure it's his fault. I think it's the mindset of the head coach and the organization for what they want to do. They're just like they have they're in their, they have stuck in their head that the, the way that you win, uh, the formula is – that you play it close to the vest, keep it close, play good defense, and execute you know execute plays on offense. But they don't ever think of it as like it's okay to it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to you know force the issue a little bit early in the game. I mean, literally, like I could count on one hand the number of times uh, in the last call it fifteen years since Tommy Maddox was replaced as a quarterback, I could count on one hand the number of times that the Steelers have come out really aggressively in the beginning of the game, try to run up the score more or less and, and win that way. And it's usually when they feel like they have an opponent who is uh, either thoroughly overmatched or that they worry that the opponent can score a lot of points or something. And like I, it literally, like it almost never happens. So imagining that it's going to happen when you have a different offensive coordinator like I find it hard to totally blame that guy. And speaking of the head coach FC, the thing we didn't talk about that we probably should mm-hmm. is the rumors this week that Daniel Snyder is interested in Mike Tomlin as his head coach and seems to be motivated enough to come to Pittsburgh and maybe talk to somebody about it. Um, before we even talk about would you know would Steelers ownership be interested? You know what kind of a what what do you feel like would happen? with the team's reaction if the Steelers were to do something crazy like like trade Mike Tomlin for picks? I don't think it would be as much backlash and subterfuge. And this. I think it's a business. I think that these guys see their teammates come and go. Um, if Tomlin's even going to consider the job, let's face facts. Uh, number one, first thing that's going to have to happen is uh, – they're going to have to fire Bruce Allen because there's no way that he's going to make a lateral move uh, to take the Redskins job without – he's going to want Sean Payton slash Bill Belichick type control, meaning he's going to be head coach and general manager. 
Um, I believe that if Snyder offers them that, I don't think that Tomlin could probably pass on it. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. The Steers are going to at least have to match, and I don't see Rooney firing Colbert. So do I think it could happen? Yes. Do I buy into the fact that that's going to happen and the Steers are going to bring back Bill Carr and all that? No. But when there's smoke, there's fire. There was minority owners that wanted Tomlin gone after last year, and if Washington somehow, some way offers us two first-round picks or a first and a second-round pick, and Washington fires down and they offer Tomlin a job, I wouldn't be shocked if it happens. But I don't think there will be too much backlash from the Steelers' locker room. It's, it's, it's a pro game. There's so much movement. Yeah, but here's the thing, MC. What what does it matter if Mike Tomlin what Mike Tomlin wants in Washington? He can deal with that when his contract's up. Right now, yeah. he's under contract. He can be traded, right, Perch? I mean, there's what does it matter if Mike yeah. Tomlin wants to do the deal or not? Well, you're dealing in black and white and not reality, right? So uh, the Roonies are not going to just tell Tomlin, "Hey, we traded your ass to to Washington. Enjoy Daniel Snyder." Right? There's a long term relationship there. You know, it's it's the Rooney way, three coaches in 50 years, all that shit, right? There obviously would be some negotiations, right? They would go to Tomlin and say, hey, Washington's come to us. You know, they, they're offering us first-round picks for you. We know you're from that area. They're, they're willing to offer you this complete control of the Redskins organization and a huge contract. Is that something you'd be interested in? They, You know, it, it would be that sort of a conversation. And then Tomlin would probably negotiate his contract. He wouldn't just go there and fill his last year on his contract from Pittsburgh. He, he would, you know, he would basically have to negotiate everything up front, so he would know that, you know, hey, I'm going to Washington. I'm making 15 million a year. I'm guaranteed a five-year contract. I get full GM powers and whatever else. He, he's going to get basically a John Gruden Oakland sort of deal if if this all went down. Fuck, I hope it does. I mean, if uh, Tampa Bay was willing to give two first-round picks for John Gruden, who had never won a Super Bowl, Tomlin's never had a losing season. He's uh, been to a couple of Super Bowls, he's won one. Uh, you know, uh, not that I think he's worth a first round pick, but uh, Daniel Snyder's a fucking idiot. And, and if we can fleece them for a couple of first, I mean, this might be our last best chance to get Ben another Super Bowl ring, you know, or, or for us to, to experience another Super Bowl in the next 20 years, this might be that chance. Um, I don't know if you guys saw or followed on Twitter, but some Yahoo's were posting pictures of a, a Redskins plane it, 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 in Pittsburgh yesterday or Monday this yeah. week saying that Daniel Snyder was in town. I don't know if there's any truth to that or if it was all made up, but um, it's interesting uh, for them to float that rumor. It, it, you know, to me, it's one of those things that these NFL organizations have people in the media that they're friendly with. And if they want to get a message out, they say, hey, do us a favor. Don't leak this story that we're interested in Mike Tomlin. And then he gets out across the country, and all of a sudden the phones are ringing and people are linking up and talking, and that's how a lot of these deals get done because they can't just uh, interfere with Tomlin or uh, what's the word I'm looking for, tamper, I guess, and, and, and start calling him while he's under contract. But they can float it through the media. Hey, hey, Mike, we want you. We're going to give you all lots of money and full control, and you can come back home. That sort of a thing. So, boy, you know, and with some of the Steelers my minority owners wanting him gone last year and the shitty season he's having this year, and he's got to see the writing on the wall, hey, I'm down to the last year or two with Ben, and he's injured now, and it, it may be a chance for him to start fresh and clean somewhere else, and it might be good for everybody all around. You know, the Steelers can win by getting the picks. The Redskins can get an established coach. Tomlin can get full control. 
a lot of money, a fresh start, an ability to build a team for the first time from the shitter, you know, all the way. There's nowhere to go in Washington uh, for the Redskins but but up. So it actually makes a lot, a lot of sense to me. I'd, I'd love to see it happen, you know. But my fear, the big monkey wrench in the whole thing is Rooney is, I think he's so fucking afraid to have to hire his first coach. Uh, and screw up what uh, what his dad had, had basically done for you know and has been his grandfather for the past uh, how many fifty years you know they've had three coaches and they've all won Super Bowls so that next coaching hire they make is gonna oh boy it's it's gonna be difficult so it, yeah, it's fun to watch we'll see what happens I mean I think the, the the secret to this is they would have to have somebody in mind you know they'd have to have a conversation internally and have a coach that they have their eye on that they think is the next long-term coach there, but it might be a good thing for everybody. You said it would be stupid for Washington to make the deal, maybe for two firsts, but I think, you know, the biggest thing you need there is like somebody to change the culture, you know, and sometimes that's a player. Sometimes you need a quarterback that raises the level of the belief on the team, but sometimes it's just about, uh, you know, changing the culture. The thing the Redskins need the most, in my opinion, is new ownership. And that ain't happening. Yeah, you can't trade for a new owner. Yeah, exactly. Fair enough. All right, so uh, uh, enough about our dreams. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, San Diego, I mean, uh, Los Angeles Chargers uh, and their 27,000-seat stadium that they play in where almost nobody is Chargers fans. It's really too bad. If the Steelers were 4-1 and one instead of 1-4, and four, uh, it would be fun to see how many Steelers fans would be in the stadium. My guess would be north of 20,000 out of 27,000. Um, as it is, I think it's probably you know good bet that it'll be fifty fifty. Uh, Perch, tell me a little bit about this matchup against the Chargers. You know, we saw last year close game, a lot of favorable officiating calls for the Chargers. But even with last year's squad, the defense seemed to shut down almost every part of what the Chargers wanted to do on offense, except for the basically throws underneath to Keenan Allen. So with the advances in defensive technology that the Steelers have this season. How do you see this game playing out as far as the Steelers' defense and Chargers' offense? Yeah, it's just a matter of which one of our inside linebackers we match up on Keenan Allen this year and, and how many times that happens, right? I mean, that's that's what the fear is because if you look at – I think our outside guys can cover their outside guys. I think that the, our, our front can, can uh, contain their running game. I think uh, their, their best tight end is uh, injured again and – you know, uh, the big fear is, you know, they put Keenan Allen in the slot and the Steelers stay in base or whatever the hell they do and, and just shift the linebacker or strong safety onto him and, and, and get blown away for, you know, a bunch of yards. So, again, it comes down to coaching and coordinating, right? Uh, you would hope that um, as the season progresses, they'd start to put maybe Fitzpatrick uh, on some of these better slot receivers and, and make some adjustments that way. But that, to me, is the biggest fear. That plus, you know, Philip Rivers is still a very good quarterback. I mean, he's going to make plays, you know, get balls to guys even when they're covered. They do have some, you know, Melvin Gordon's back. They've got some dynamic. Eckler's done a good job as a running back. So, you know, uh, Mike Williams is a deep threat guy. They've got, you know, got some talent there, some some players who can do some things. So I, a home game for them, West Coast, you know, all that stuff. I, I think that um, the Steelers front's going to be able to get home a bit against, you know, they've just lost penalties. So their, their center's out for the year now. And, you know, we, you know, the best part of the Steelers rush seems to be right up the middle. So I think we're going to get in Rivers' face and smack him around a good bit. But, you know, I, I think we'll contain that offense. I don't think they're going to 
light up the scoreboard and put up 30 on, on the Steelers by any stretch, but it's just those mismatches that they'll create. Uh, again, our inside linebackers aren't very good at covering tight ends and running backs, and when you put a receiver on them, it's game over. So that's my big thing. Yeah, FC, I mean, it feels like, you know, dare I say it, the Steelers are a better team on paper than the Chargers. Quarterback is so important in the NFL. I'll, the Steelers still have talent. We'll go with that. If uh, if the Chargers don't come out and execute and play well, the Steelers could easily win this game. We got our third string quarterback out there. We're, but the thing is, some of the Steelers' strengths, I feel, are the Chargers' weakness, and that's on both sides of the ball. So I, I think the game could be very, very intriguing. Um, I agree that you know Keenan Allen and Travis Benjamin and Mike Williams and you know Jeremy Davis. The, the, those guys look threatening on paper, but when you realize, hey, you know, we got Philip Rivers out there, and Philip Rivers is struggling to rip the ball forty-five yards at this point, your your coverage can be a little. You don't have to worry about covering uh, the deep third as much. Steven Nelson gives the Steelers so many opportunities in, uh, in coverage because he really has been – he's been incredible at right cornerback for the Steelers all season. I, I, I keep on expecting for him to have, all right, here's a reason why Kansas City didn't want this guy back, really. And I'm trying to figure out why. He's not the biggest guy, but he seems to cover people up. He makes plays against the run. He passes off coverage. He communicates well. Decent tackler. You know, decent ball skills. Um, it's all going to come down to the Steelers' inside linebacker play. I, I honestly believe that. Um, the thing that scares me the most about the Chargers is uh, Melvin Gordon, Austin Elkler, and Justin Jackson probably won't be back, but it's those two backs and their ability in the passing game and uh, the Steelers' hit and miss run defense at times. So if the Steelers are able to control the line of scrimmage, especially defensively, I think uh, the Chargers are definitely going to struggle to score points. And, you know, as the home team struggling to score points, you're two and three. I believe the Chargers might be slightly overlooking the Steelers, you know, and unfortunately I can't blame them. You know, third string quarterback coming in, you know, second string back out for, you know, six weeks, you know, the Steelers have to be, kind of gimmicky on offense to have had success the last two weeks or three weeks, if you want to say to have success to be able to move the ball. On paper, yeah, this looks like a pretty even matchup. But you take into account it's the Chargers, you know, at home, night. Should be a very interesting game. Yeah, that thing about being home at night, at night though, is that's typically mm-hmm. because the crowd is fired up, but they don't have the crowd. Man, I mean that's a big problem for them uh, here on a good day. Uh, but you know, I think. And my last thing, if you would ask me before the season who Trent Scott is, I would have said, "Is he the lead singer for you know whatever band?" I had no idea. He's the starting left tackle for the San Diego Chargers, and if I had to give him a nickname, it would be Turnstile. <laughs> because he ain't too good. And to be honest with you, the right tackle, Sam Levi, he ain't too good. And Mike Pouncey just went down for the year. Um, I think the Chargers may have some real real big issues blocking the Steelers up front. 
Yeah, but I feel like I want to go to, I wish I had the ability to go to the vault and pull out our conversation before the Steelers San Diego game where they had three linemen off the street that they signed. Yep. Uh, and beat the Steelers. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> yeah. Uh, at any rate, Purge, uh, you know, this Steven Nelson injury, that's a, that's a sort of a red flag for me. That is one thing that definitely is not working in the Steelers' favor. What's the latest on that uh, in terms of him, his availability for Sunday? Have you heard anything? Yeah, I mean, he said himself that uh, he's healthy and good to go for the for the weekend, and you know, I, I believe he's still been a limited participant in practice. But uh, it certainly looks like uh, uh, he should be there for Sunday. And we'll perch the follow up question um, since he is he is available. That's good news. But uh, with James Washington going down with a, a shoulder injury, that's going to keep him out for a while. Jalen Samuels unexpectedly had a knee surgery. He's out for extended period of time. Uh, Seals are running out of players on the, uh, on the 53, the quarterback, you know, Mason Rudolph, we don't know about his availability long-term, I guess it seems like they have to, they're going to have to make at least one roster move and maybe two. How do they accomplish that without, uh, exposing players that they don't want to expose to waivers at this point? Well, here's what I see happening. Duck Hodges is your starter and Mason Rudolph is going to get cleared but they're not dumb enough to let him play. So he'll be your backup. You know, basically if duck gets hurt, you put Mason in and hand off and, and go to the bye week. Right. So they don't have to make a move there. Uh, again, he Mason practice yesterday. He's through, you know, basically through the last step of concussion protocols, basically not having any symptoms after that practice. Right. So he'll probably practice again today and, uh, and, and probably end up being cleared. I, I don't think they'll start him. I think they're going forward with Hodges. So that's one. Uh, as far as receivers, I think they'll probably just deactivate James Washington and, and probably bring Moncrief back. And what's Tomlin's phrase, something about a boomerang coming back for him. So I, I think that's probably what we'll see. I think you'll probably have uh, Moncrief go back to where he was at the start of the season as a starter, uh, or maybe just the third guy. With the, I think Deontay Johnson's probably taking that spot for good now. But uh, Juju and Deontay is, is your main two guys. Moncrief is your third, and maybe uh, – you know, Holton comes in to, to run some deep patterns and Switzer gets his couple of slots, uh, snaps in the game. And that's what you have there. Running back, yeah, I guess you, <laughs> you probably you got Benny Snell stepping up uh, behind James Conner. Do they make a move just to bring up, you know, for I guess probably for a couple of weeks to bring up the, the Edmonds brother uh, to, from the practice squad for running back? So that's possible. Maybe they bring Edmonds up. They have a third running back, and he was a pretty good special teams player, from what I recall, too. Yep. Maybe he gets gets a spot, steps back in, and, you know, I'm sure they could find somebody to squeeze off the roster for a week. For a week. I don't know who that would be. J. Ron Elliott or some. I don't know. Well, I guess he probably still has to play if Chicolo is still out. So, good yeah, he's question. Been getting I guess my point is I don't see them making two moves. I think they'll do everything they can just to make one. So, if they had to go into that game with just two running backs, maybe that's what they do. Yeah, I wish we could bring in the uh, bring up the other Edmonds brother. Uh, that I would do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one in Buffalo, he's pretty good. Uh, so let's talk see. about Mark Barron. Oh my God! Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. Uh, it was very predictable. Two things happened when Mark Barron left the game. Uh, I thought to myself, first off, the Steelers' defense is going to look better. And secondly, uh, Tyler Medikevich is going to get snaps. <laughs> and both were true. Fortunately for the Steelers, uh, they didn't give Tyler too many. Um, but but uh, Tyler Medikevich and Vince Williams were very solid. Yeah, actually, 
putting putting Tyler Matakevich in that role where he's in a when they're in run heavy you know formation. Sure, it's just that you know he's he's so uh, susceptible to play action that you know it's, it's always a risk. You put him in there; he's very good at coming downhill against a run. But it's like the risk of having him in there when you, he gets sucked in is has typically been bad, you know, having a little better safety play behind him helps. Uh, but at any rate, uh, Vince Williams, I thought was uh, sh- showed why uh, he deserves to get more snaps than he has been getting probably. Uh, if you can try to, you know, especially against a team against Baltimore, that's going to run it a lot. Um, I don't know. FC Mark Barron injured, unhappy, Pissed that they're one and four, or you know, gave up on the season. Like, what's what's the deal? Because watching the film of him, you talked about watching the film of Bud Dupree or the guy we haven't mentioned, Stephon Tuitt, who's killing uh, everyone mm-hmm. in the NFL right now. You know, TJ Watt. You know, some of the guys on their team are playing lights out on defense, and it just feels like you see Mark Barron in the center of it, and he is like the eye of the hurricane that doesn't move at 250 miles an hour. What what's going on with Mark Barron? Um, he was a shitty player for Tampa Bay. He was a shitty player for the Rams, and he's now a shitty player for the Steelers that we ended up giving a sixteen million dollars to. Um, I guarantee you, if the Steelers knew they were going to be able to move up and draft Devin Bush, they probably wouldn't have signed Mark Barron. Um, it was a mistake. It was an error. You can blame Tomlin. You can blame Colbert. You can blame the two of them. He's just not a very good football player. I mean, he was decent in Alabama. I mean, playing that star role. He was the original star linebacker safety at the at Alabama, but the NFL needs the SEC, and Mark Barron ain't covering slow fullbacks and running backs from Vanderbilt in South Carolina anymore. He's at task to cover or play against one of the top two percent players at the game and in the world, and he just isn't good enough. He isn't real smart, ain't real big. He's not as athletic as people try to sell him to be, and uh, basically sucks. <laughs> you know, I, I never was a fan. Didn't like the signing. Sat back, kept my fat mouth shut, hoped. Reality set in, and well, he's a piece of shit. I mean, he was further. Right? Yeah, I, I think I said the same thing last week, though. The, the issue with it, my issue with him, is he quits on plays. He sees his guy catch the ball. He he doesn't run after it. You see, a, I, there was a play, I wish I had a clip of it, where his guy caught a ball, and he stopped running, basically jogged. And you see defensive linemen sprinting past him to try and run that play down from behind, and Barron quit and gave up on the play. And that's happened numerous times where he's just like, hey, my guy caught the ball, and I'm five steps behind. No. I'll just watch, you know, give that light jog like I'm making pursuit. But he, he just. To me, he doesn't want to be there. You know, he's collecting that stuff. Maybe he doesn't want to Seattle game, sure. Are you talking about the yeah, Seattle no, game? Well, no, that was, that's a different one. Yeah, okay. but this, this week, game. though, it was, uh, Bud, 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 uh, it was a zone coverage in the middle. He, uh, Barron, actually took uh, false steps towards the flat. Looked like he blew the coverage, like he forgot what he was supposed to be doing or got distracted by the running back or something. Uh, and then uh, tight end went past him. Bud Dupree was twice as far from the ball, you know, the, the guy that caught the ball uh, and passed Barron on the way to the ball. Uh, it's just like, you know, like you said, he, his, he blew the coverage, guy caught the ball. It wasn't, he didn't even like throw, throw his hands up or hang his head like, you know, like I, he just got, you know, 
He got beat, but he literally just jogged. It's even worse. It's like if he just stood there and was like, oh, you know, like I hurt my foot or I twisted my ankle for a second or something. But no, he's like jogging to the ball. It's something you don't often see in an NFL game. It's it's very uh, common in my Saturday flag football game. So Mark Barron is welcome to come join us on Saturdays in Burbank. But um, yeah, that's not really like I'm, you know, I'm 55 pushing 56, my 50th year in football. And uh, I, I have been known to get beat and, and be like, fuck it, I'm going back to the other side of the field. <laughs> but that's Saturday you're uh, flag football. You're not getting $8 million a year <laughs> for your Saturday flag football game. No, um, although, you know. The hustle and the effort is the reason why you really haven't heard me run probably the most underperforming Steeler defender through the ringer at all. It's just because of his effort and his heart. He's just having bad luck this year, and that is one Cameron Hayward. And it yeah. has not as much to do with about the pass rush. It's, he's a 285 pounds. I don't think he actually weighs that much. That's lining up over the guard at times, a large amount of the time. A lot of times facing the best interior defender at left guard, and uh, he's having struggles with the run game. But the one thing is, is I go back and I'm, he's battling, and He's trying and he's hustling and it's kind of hard to really throw a guy like that under the bus whenever it's just, you know, bad luck, happenstance. He's asked to do something he physically can't do because, well, no one's going to take on a fucking double team or a down block from a larger man, especially when that man has the snap count and gets off the ball first. So. Yep. Although the good news for him is that with the way Stefan Tewitt is playing, at some point teams are going to have to adjust uh, and and start double teaming that guy because you know he's tooling Marshall Yanda. He requires a double team at this point. That's you know it's like I think that was a fair fair enough prove it game. He's he's been killing everybody for five weeks, but that in particular was an eye opener. Um, he 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 beat him a couple times as cleanly as you'll ever see Yanda get beat. Um, so uh, maybe that will open things up for Cameron Hayward a little bit. Don't know. Um, Perch, let's talk about the other side of the ball. Steelers offense against the Chargers defense. I, I you know, I, I kind of feel like they're going to get in the shell and start trying to run the football with James Conner and, and Benny Snell, and that just feels like the wrong thing entirely to do against the Chargers. Um, you know, is there any chance that they'll be out of character and come come out in this game and not be so concerned with establishing the run game from the start of the game? There's a chance, but so it, you're telling me there's a chance. I think we yeah. both know. Like I said before, you give our offensive coordinator a week to plan for his third string quarterback, and he's going to be even more conservative than he's been in the past five weeks. And he was even, I thought, pretty conservative early in the year before Ben got hurt. So. I don't know. I mean, you look at the Chargers defense and they're really beat up too. You got Derwin James on IR. He was probably the best defensive player they had. In addition to you know, the guys on offense we just mentioned, uh, they probably do have some level of concern. That's my fear is they fear, you know, you're playing another Bosa and Melvin Ingram and those guys who can get after the passer a little bit. And they probably fear that they don't have a backup quarterback because uh, they don't want to make sure, make sure Rudolph doesn't actually have to play. Um, I think they're going to go ultra conservative and, and try and pound the run. And uh, it's probably what's going to happen. Right. Uh, I wish it wouldn't. I wish they would just turn it loose, but I think that's where it's going to go. Ugh. 
Yeah, this doesn't seem like a formula for. Uh, How about this? We got a couple interesting things for you. The last two seasons at Kentucky, Benny Snell averaged 7.2 yards out of the Wildcats. His last two years in North Carolina, Ryan Switzer ran the Wildcat 14 times. North Carolina scored six times on this 14 play. You're going to see Wildcat this week. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Fabulous. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that, man. If that happens, the, I think the, like millions of heads are going to explode at the well, same time. If that happens, then they have success with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's you got to steal wins. I don't care. You tell them a story, kick them in the balls, do whatever you want, get a win. <laughs> you start yeah. having those up. And our shitty AFC North, you know. Yeah, but you got a, you got a quarterback with no fear. Right. I, I don't know. You, you know that just, it just feels like the Chargers against the passing game are, have got some serious problems. Um, you know, they basically they got clocked last week by a team that's, I would say, inarguably worse than the Steelers right now. I mean, I think I would take Mason Rudolph or Devlin Hodges over Joe Flacco at this point. Um, but, you know, they, they basically, the Chargers scored six points on offense or something. So it just feels like your, your opponent is unlikely to light it up against you. Um, why not try to put some points on the board early and, and you know, send, send them packing, you know, send them mentally giving up on the game. I just feel like they don't do don't try to do that enough. That's purchase first point, and that'll be my last point. Talking about this uh, matchup at this point is just you know it, it so infrequently happens. Don't understand why they don't try to do it more, especially against a team that's reeling a little bit like the Chargers. You try to get them in a mode where they're down two or three scores, uh, and with that offensive line the way it is, they're going to have problems against the Steelers. Uh, pass protecting against the Steelers pass rush, especially with a immobile quarterback like Rivers where you don't have to worry about contain. You know, it plays totally plays into your defense's hands if you if you try to get up early in this game. Um, I'm not you know, on that note, uh, let's move on to our illustrious pick segment brought to us by Sports and shit. Um, you can buy your dog, pet, dog, <laughs> sweaters, t shirts, hats, boxer shorts. Uh, it's also brought to you by Dean Blandino. Um, the other line spot referees that do the games that are so homerish and will defend the other referees to the end of days. And lastly, Chico's bail box. I'd like to have, make a special shout out to Gene Steratore. Gene Steratore. <laughs> was, was pretty much wrong on every replay every. challenge <laughs> in the Steelers game on Sunday. <laughs> Maybe he's you know, he's from Washington, PA. Maybe he's so worried about being a homer that he that he wanted to swing the other way. Uh, but man, that was, was he swings the other way, I tell you. Yep. But a boom, paching. Just quickly before we talk about specific games, uh, I'll throw one out to you, Perch. Which Bosa brother is the better football player right now? That's a tough one, well, right? It's tough. I tell you what, the, uh, the young little little brother out there in San Francisco looks like a freaking monster. I, I, I that's. that's you're asking right now, I'm going to say over the course of the career, long term, that's the one I would want. Uh, that's the one I'd go with. Yeah, I'll tell you what. He looks great, man, Nick Bosa. He hasn't had the opportunity to get sneezed on or injured yet, so uh, I'm going to hold off. <laughs> yeah. I just don't trust you. I want him to stay healthy, man, but yeah. Well, the thing I, the thing I like about him is uh, 
he, the plan, you don't usually see a young player pass rusher with a pass rush plan and uh, some tools, you know, it's like, uh, I think he's better than he is athletic. Like his athleticism would, would lead you to believe. In other words, I don't think there's anything wrong with his athleticism, but I don't think he's winning strictly because he's bigger, faster, better athlete than everybody he plays against. I think he's winning frequently because he's a good athlete, but with great plan and tools. So kudos to uh, the coaching there uh, at that place uh, in Ohio that fancies itself uh, the only university in Ohio um, for doing a good job putting spitting out pass rushers. Pass rush you. And somehow the Steelers haven't gotten any of them. I'd just like to say. <laughs> yeah, <never been. laughs> yeah not, not much since then. Exactly. It's dried up a little bit. Um, let's talk about, uh, let's see, how about your, we haven't, we haven't talked about them too much. The Carolina Panthers are two and a half point favorite in London against Tampa Bay. Um, I mentioned this because Carolina has been pretty good with their backup quarterback. Um, similar situation to the Steelers. They lost their, their uh, star quarterback, and yet the guy Kyle, Kyle Allen has come in and, and won some football games. Tampa Bay uh, crushed the Rams at home, uh, and yet is capable of losing to anybody in the NFL. <laughs> um, Perch, how do you see this game? I gave you something tricky to pick. Oh, boy, I can't go against our boy Bruce, right? I think Bruce Arians has enough uh, tricks up his sleeve that, uh, I, you know, Tampa's capable of losing any game in blowout fashion and probably winning any game in blowout fashion. So it is a tough one to pick, but uh, that's uh, that's probably where I would go. Uh, give me uh, uh, give me Tampa in that game. How about UFC? I'm going to take Tampa, but by, I'm, I'm going to take them because I like lefty and I think they're slightly better uh, throwing the ball. But I uh, heard a little interesting stat uh, two days ago. Were you aware that Christian McCaffrey has more total yards from line of scrimmage than Ezekiel Elliott and Todd Gurley combined? <laughs> yeah, well. Christian McCaffrey is a superstar, rare, diamond player that probably gets the least respect in the NFL. Yeah, he's been tremendous, and they're not not afraid to use him. I mean, they're you know, the, he, he gets injured, they're really in some trouble. Um, but yeah, I'm, so are you taking Carolina? Is that what the bulk of that was? No, I'm going to take Tampa Bay, and I'm going to lead two and a half points. I think Tampa's going to win by a field goal. Yeah, I I will call it. Uh, I will call it for. Boy, that's a tough call. I think I'll take Carolina in this game. Um, I don't think Tampa Bay was. Tested very much uh, by uh, Todd Gurley in that Rams game, but I felt like when they did throw it to Gurley and and were committed to running the football, they weren't bad. They just didn't really want to run the football against Tampa Bay for some reason that day. So um, I'm going to take a stab and say Carolina covers uh, by a field goal. Uh, Seattle visiting Cleveland in a one o'clock game. So it's a West Coast team one o'clock game. Uh, those seem to have evened out a little bit this year, uh, the last couple of years. I don't know, Perch, what do you think? Uh, Cleveland Browns crushed Baltimore, got absolutely clocked last week. What do you, what do you see them doing against Seattle? I, I think they've been exposed. I think they're starting to have issues on, on offense where 
Baker Mayfield is staring down his first receiver, and if that guy's covered, he starts scrambling and gets happy feet. And if you have any sort of pass rush, then Cleveland's offensive line is shit, but they can really be dominated. So, I, I, you know, the best thing about the Browns is they've got that good defensive front, and they can put pressure on you. And, and Nick Chubb's a pretty good back, but I, I just think Seattle's better, and, and Seattle does what they want to them. So I got Seattle winning cover. FC? Going to give you another little real quick. So I'll give you two uh, real quick things. We'll start off with Baker Mayfield. Has uh, George Lee uh, taken over uh, the most turnovers um, in the NFL? And here, uh, despite all the ads, the Nike ads, despite what ESPN tells you, were you aware that Odell Beckham Jr. has more drops this year than 17 teams in the NFL? Oh, <laughs> wow. That's quite 17. a stat. That is quite um, a stat, man. With, don't forget, Odell Beckham is a NFL playoff record holder for the most drop balls in a single game. Um, I will take the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I think it's actually going to be a little bit of an uglier, low-scoring game than a lot of people do. I won't be surprised if it's a field goal fest. I'll take Seattle 15-6. to six. Yeah, I, I'll just say this. That pass rush of uh, Cleveland – you know, is when they when they if Cleveland gets a lead and they get the chance to throw that pass rush at you, um, always going to be pretty good because they're just dominant that way. But uh, they're very susceptible to the run, especially running inside that those four guys that are just you know hell bent on the quarterback. Um, but against a quarterback like Russell Wilson who can manipulate the pocket, and if if you let, allow him to break contain, you're dead. Um, that's the classic matchup for C- in Seattle's favor in this game. They will run the football and Russell Wilson will get outside the pocket um, at, with ease, I think, in this game. It wouldn't, wouldn't not shock me if uh, he either doesn't get sacked or he only gets sacked you know, once or twice uh, and figures out a way to um, make a lot more big plays than that. Um, a lot of good games this week, so I'm going to keep going. Kansas City's hosting Houston. They're a four-and-a-half-point favorite perch. Kansas, could Kansas City lose two games in a row at home? It's not – I mean, Houston's defense could slow them down a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, it's possible. I just uh, – you know, Mahomes has thrown, what, one touchdown pass in the last two games combined. And, you know, Kansas City's defense has never been uh, super impressive to me. So, you know, at some point, some teams are going to start finding some ways to slow Kansas City. And so far, the injuries to some of our better receivers has been a big part of that. But – um I, I, you know, if I've got to pick it, I'd like Kansas City to bounce back and cover that spread. Houston uh, uh, is another one of those teams that looks really good one week and really awful the next. So I, I think they go out there and choke. Yeah, I would, and I'd say in Houston, I'd give them a better chance. I like Kansas City to to cover, but not by too much. I think they might squeak by the cover. How about UFC? Um, Tyreek Hill's expected back. He taking contact and evidently did well. Mahomes says his ankle's feeling good. It's not perfect, but it's feeling good. Um, you got Williams coming back at running back for Kansas City. Um, I think it's going to be a slot machine type of game for anyone that plays daily fantasy sports. I would suggest putting in both quarterbacks and filling in around them. Um, I will take <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs to win a unbelievable shootout like 30-35. Yeah. Okay, I could see that happening for sure. Um, Minnesota at uh, is hosting Philadelphia. Excuse me, Minnesota is a three-point favorite. Uh, FC Minnesota so- showed some signs of life recently. 
Uh, Philly played, you know, maybe their best uh, game of the year uh, last time out. So what, you know, what do you think of this game? I'll start with you. Um, there's a decent chance that uh, Kirk Cousins might get beat up by um, an offensive player, a defensive player, a mat- uh, member of the coaching staff. I have never seen a team really hate a player as much as it seems that Minnesota hates Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Philadelphia, they just – I never know what the, the, the grass about them. Um, bounce it to me. I mean, Carson Wentz, I really don't trust. I like Zach Ertz. Philadelphia's receiving cores beat up. But at the end of the day, I like Fletcher Cox, but I really like Dalvin Cook. I'm going to take Minnesota – to win the game and just barely cover it home. Yeah, I got any special thoughts, Perch, or should we <laughs> let that be the final word on Philly? No, go ahead. What do you think? Minnesota, three-point favorite with Philly. Uh, let's see here. You said Minnesota's a three-point favorite? How'd that happen? What I, I know. That's, I don't really understand. Yeah. Same. I've just one of those games where I'm just like, I'm missing something. I'll tell you what. Anytime I see a stupid line like that, I always bet with the line because I, it's something I don't know. I mean, to me, the Eagles should win that game by a touchdown. I'm going Minnesota to win in coverage. I don't know why I'm going to do it. I'm exactly feel the same way as you. I'm going to look really smart next week. So <laughs> I feel exactly the same way as you. When you see a line like that, it's like, well, huh? Um, L.A. Rams, a three-point favorite over San Francisco. Um, this is a huge game um, in the NFC West, um, not, you know, it's early in the season and a lot of stuff could happen yet, but San Francisco, um, right now is playing like, you know, second best, maybe even the best team in the NFL. I'm not sure that they are, but they're playing that way. Um, the Rams have really not played well, even though they went to the Super Bowl last year, they haven't really played, uh, the kind of dominant football that they were playing for a little while there for a, almost a full season now from the time Cooper cup got injured last year till now um, they have been mediocre. Uh, Todd and, and Todd Gurley hasn't really been a hundred percent. I'm not even sure he looks hundred percent right now. So uh, I'll start. I think San Francisco is one of my preseason teams that I picked um, to, uh, you know, be the surprise team uh, in the NFL. I just felt like on paper, they got the talent. They are missing Kyle Juszczyk this week, which is a real problem for them. If they had Juszczyk, I, this would be easy pick for me for San Francisco. But as it is, um, I like them to at least cover in this game against the Rams and maybe even maybe even win it. Um, it's not really a believer in the Rams, and I'm a believer in San Francisco. Uh, Perch, what do you think? Uh, it's it's a tough one there, just because I I agree with you. I think that uh, the Rams are not quite as good as is what we all thought that they were or what they should be on paper. San Francisco's playing better. But you just don't – I mean, I can't imagine that the Rams are going to go down three games in that division this early in the year and, and have, uh, you know, basically San Francisco running away with, with, uh, with the division and the Rams being out of the playoffs. I think that the Rams put their best shot together and go out and win this game. So I'll take the Rams and I'll take them to cover too. FC? Um. Anybody that like, has the old Twitter, follow Merrill Hodge on Twitter. It's actually an excellent uh, follow-up. And the reason I say that is uh, he made a very good point. Have you? Is there a better undefeated team in the NFL than San Francisco that depends on their quarterback any less? Uh, San Francisco wins despite Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, you can say a lot about 
you know, Tevin Coleman uh, and Matt Breda from lovely Georgia Southern. That defense is playing lights out. The biggest thing is Cal Shanahan is coordinating himself a beautiful offense. Uh, he's a great play caller. Uh, his offense is very similar to that of his father's and that of, of all people. Chan Gailey, which Merrill uh-huh. Hodge pointed out very articulately, um, with the passing game and the action off the passing game, the deception coming from the passing game, which leads to successful runs. Um, I am actually going to take the Los Angeles Rams for the exact reasons that both of you did. I just don't believe that San Francisco can continue winning games in 2019 the way they've been winning with the running game and just pounding you out with defense because it is a classic, you know, Mike Shanahan, Bill Cowher type of game plan to win these games. And I just don't think that can last. Yeah, I got you. All right, well, that's going to do it for our illustrious pick segment, although um, we don't really have time to go on anymore. But I'll pick Detroit as my upset special this week. Um, it just feels like Detroit, very similar to what uh, we were talking about with the dynamic between San Francisco and Los Angeles. It's a big prove-it game for Detroit. Um, but anyway, that's the end of our uh, illustrious pick segment. we got to get to picking our five-star matchup this week. Um, it's a... Home, it's a hometown special for me here in Los Angeles. And if tickets continue to drop any farther, I might actually have to go to the game. Um, I, if, that, if, that's, if they were playing at the Coliseum, um, the, the tickets would be like 10 bucks. They would be giving them away to get in. So right. uh, the fact that it's uh, at the small stadium, we'll see. But at any rate, um, let's talk about Steelers Chargers prediction. I'll start with you, FC. Wildcat, 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 Steeler fans throw their shit at the TV. I buy into this defense. I can't pick the Steelers to win with a third-string quarterback. And as everybody knows, I'm not going to pick them to lose in a pick segment. But what I will say is um, I have not been disappointed with very much on the field outside the results. If you told me the Steelers are going to be a one-win team at this point, I wouldn't be throwing nine million shit fits about effort and stuff like that. I call you crazy. The things I would look for, um, Alejandro Villanueva and Feeler against Ingram and Bosa. Um, the Steelers' interior has to dominate this game, and the defense is going to have to create some turnovers. I think the Steelers can shut down Keenan Allen with either one of their quarterback cornerbacks. Vince Williams, uh, Devin Bush, you're going to have to do something with Eckler and Gordon. I don't buy into the Chargers' offensive line. I sat here and talked long enough. I'm saying, fuck it. I was picking the Steelers to win this game 23 to 16. <laughs> okay. Purge, how about you? Um, yeah, my biggest fear of this game is our own offense coordinator just being too afraid of those two edge rushers and his, his rookie quarterback and, and just getting in a hole early. Uh, I think the Steelers' defensive line can really do, do some damage in this game, maybe get some strip sacks and, and, and shut down some drives. I think, our, like FC said, our, our corners are going to be able to, to hang with those receivers for the most part. I worry about mismatches of Vince Williams running with Keenan Allen down the field. Um, I think the Steelers keep it close in cover. I think it'll be a relatively low-scoring game. I'm going to go again 23-20, Chargers to win, Steelers to cover. First of all, I think uh, you adequately described what probably will happen, Perch. Um, And I have picked the Steelers to lose two weeks in a row. I I actually, I'm going to go against the grain a little bit. I don't think the Steelers will come out. In a, in a conservative mindset on offense. It's just, just call it a hunch. Um, the thing about uh, Doc Hodges is no, no reps last week. It, apparently he had never actually called an audible or protection with the first team 
uh, offense before last week. And, and he said basically he didn't think he'd ever called a protection with the Steelers in training camp even. And first thing he did when he walked on the field <laughs> was call was call out a protection change um, because of a blitzer coming, uh, which I thought was, you know, to have that kind of uh, self-awareness uh, starting off, it just, I mean, that has to inspire some confidence in, you know, allowing the guy to like try to be who he is uh, in the game. I think if you're going to try to win this game, um, you have to at least let him try to be the guy he, he is. Uh, and that means, uh, you know, trusting his instincts for the game. Saw a great interview this week, Peter King and uh, Brett Favre. If you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. I highly recommend it. Uh, Favre is a very uh, interesting character and, and isn't at all um, like football dumb. Uh, he's, he's a smart kind of guy, but he was just talking about, you know, when he first came in the league and didn't know how to do anything and they would explain these concepts to him about what he was supposed to read and all that stuff. And he didn't really, you know, know anything about what he's supposed to do, but he said, I, but I, I would just revert to like the stuff that I knew that I could do. Uh, and that got me through the beginning of my career, drove my coaches crazy, but it, you know, he got me through the beginning. And I think that's kind of where Hodges is at this point. It just reminds me ever so slightly of this guy, Ben Roethlisberger, when he was a rookie coming in and it just found a way to like let him do some of the stuff he was good at. They protected him, but it was more like, at, you know, they gave him a chance to do what he could do. And then once he got the lead, then they, then they went into like, you know, clamp down mode. So I'll say this Steelers 24, 13 over the chargers. I just don't think the chargers offense is going to do much against the Steelers defense maybe even create some field position. Uh, and if you let the quarterback do just enough and you have, you have turnovers and you attack, I think you can get the 24 against the Chargers. I'll take the Steelers 24-13. Final word, I'll give it to you, FC. I'm going to just stick with if they play the way they've played the last three, four weeks, the result is the results-driven leg, and I will hate to be shitty, but I'm not ashamed, and that's all I can hope for. Yeah, I got your perch. Yeah, kind of like I said at the beginning of the podcast, you know, I, that loss last week uh, gave me some hope. I, I see a lot of good, positive things in these losses. Just, It's a talented team that's snake bit this year by injuries, doesn't have their quarterback, lost their knucklehead receiver. Uh, to me, the big the big thing I'm looking for going forward is, is what's going to happen next offseason with uh, guys like Bud Dupree and J- Javon Hargreave. They can't afford to lose another two starters on the defense. Uh, not have a first-round pick, and still need to get some offensive skill position players. So I'm just going to go out and enjoy the games. And, and like I said, I think there's a lot of good things. Just watch for the positives and wait till the draft and <laughs> hope for next year's better. I mean, that's, that's all you can do at this point. Yeah. Well, my final word is going to be, you know, team is in close games. Defense is playing well. They just need to learn how to win games. You know, sometimes it's, you know, it's been some really bad bounces and some stuff has really gone, not gone their way recently. But I think, you know, once you sort of get on that roll and you, you figure out how to make the formula click enough to win a game, a close game, I think you can build on that. So let us hope that we get at least that much figured out this year. And, um, you know, Duck Hodges, this is his moment. He, he may he may not uh, take it to the place where he would like to this week, but 
I'm really happy that he's getting a shot because uh, it's tough for the guy who started the season as the fourth guy to ever get in the game, let alone have a chance to start and show what you can do. So, hey, let's see what you can do. Uh, on that note, thank you to uh, everyone at Fury, especially to Lewis Lip Service this week, who stepped in and helped us uh, with some stuff at the website, uh, programming, uh, and also, of course, always to Steel Perch and FC for joining us. Gentlemen, thanks for a great show. And uh, how about we go get them, Steelers? Oh.